So you may have noticed a little erraticism in our posting the last couple of weeks that has um, some to do with me being on the road, but also some to do with the Return Act, a piece of legislation that was proposed by Congressman Andrew Clyde of the Georgia 9th. Um, Two weeks ago, episode 226, I spent some time kind of taking that apart from my perspective and was contacted right after that by uh, the Congressman's communications director, and she offered for him to come on the podcast and discuss kind of his side of the story and um, for us to have a little bit of a conversation about it. So to his credit, um, he joined me uh, late last week and I'm about to air that interview here. Before I do, I do need to tell you guys about our good friend and sponsor of the show, Fletcher Hallett, Hallett Insurance, 904-315-5812. If you are in Florida and you have insurance needs, you should reach out to this guy. Boat insurance, car insurance, life insurance, home insurance, business insurance, um, he's done guide policies, he's done hunting policies, does all that stuff for us. So Fletcher Hallett, F Hallett at HallettInns.com, double the L's, double the T's, Hallett for all your insurance needs. Now, without further ado, I'm going to go into this interview and um, you'll hear us kind of just kind of warming up at the beginning. I, I, I cut a little bit out before that, but um, edited, unedited, so basically just in kind of its contiguous entirety, um, here is myself and Congressman Andrew Clyde discussing the Return Act. Congressman, I'm going to ask um, some hard questions, and I, I appreciate you. I appreciate, first off, let me say this. I appreciate you being willing to come on here and discuss it because I think that's important, and I think it says a lot about your character that you're willing to come on here and discuss this. Um, and I, I know that Madeline listened to uh, my podcast last week, and I, I, candidly, I'm not a fan of the bill, but I think I think we can ask some questions and kind of get to, to where you're coming from and kind of where we're coming from and, and have a good conversation about this. But I, I know also know you're you're busy up in D.C. today, so we'll be quick about this. I've, I think I've got six or eight questions, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up with um, we got Congressman Andrew Clyde here uh, from the Georgia 9th. And um, briefly, Congressman, I just want to say good morning and, and then have you kind of explain the Return Act. Just take a couple minutes and, and set the table for us. Sure, absolutely, Travis. It's great to be with you. Um, and I'm uh, very, very proud to introduce the Return Our Constitutional Rights Act. Uh, and the point of this act, the reason I introduced it, is twofold. One is to protect and defend the Second Amendment of the Constitution. And the second reason is to maintain the funding for Pittman-Robertson. Uh, because what I see right now is uh, there is a there is an extreme possibility that um, that number one Pittman Robertson can lose its funding, and number two that the Second Amendment um, can be destroyed through taxation, and that's really what I'm seeing. You know, I'm a federal firearms licensee uh, by trade. I've owned a gun shop for almost 30 years now, actually thir over 30 years now, and so I'm, you know, the Second Amendment is. Um, uh, is my love when it comes to um, to business and, and to to the Constitution, because the Second Amendment provides cover and protection for every other part of the Constitution. We would not have a First Amendment if we didn't have a Second Amendment, at least not the way we in this country understand a First Amendment. Um, so I think the Second Amendment is the most important part uh, of the Constitution that the Democrats are trying to destroy. I mean, they're trying to destroy the First Amendment, but but they will definitely try and take the Second Amendment away from us. And so this act and the way they do that, the way they can do that is through taxation. Uh, you know, since the Heller decision of 2008, when the Supreme Court declared 
the Second Amendment to be an individual constitutional right. At that point, I thought to myself, how in the world can you tax an individual constitutional right? Because if you can do that, even just a little bit, then you can do it a lot, and then you can tax that right out of existence for the everyday average hardworking American citizen. The, uh, the 2014 McDonald decision that came down from the Supreme Court um, re-emphasized that the Second Amendment is an individual constitutional right, and it applies to the states. Um, so in drafting this bill, my focus is to protect the Second Amendment. Now, Pittman-Robertson is directly linked to the Second Amendment, and the taxes that come from uh, the manufacturers that pay, uh, that well, actually, the manufacturers collect, the dealers that pay, and the individuals that pay the tax, they go to Pittman-Robertson, and they go to conservation funding, and they go to um, you know hunter safety education. Those are all good things. Now, I'm a hunter myself, uh, and I love those things, and I want to protect those things. So, so I found a way. Go ahead. I, I was going to ask. You said you're a hunter yourself. That was a question that I had that a number of folks asked me. Um, what What do you yeah. hunt? Are you a licensed hunter in Georgia, or do, where do you hunt? What do you hunt? I hunt deer. Okay. Just deer. You, I, I don't do it as often as I as I would like to. Okay. Um, I'm a with a, a being a small business owner and and now a member of Congress. Uh, my time is very very constrained. Um, but um, uh, you know I've got some acreage myself in Georgia, and I like to hunt on my own land. Okay, so that that leads into kind of a question that's been out there, um, and it is asked a lot in the sportsman's community. I've asked it; a number of folks ask it, uh, and I'll tee it up this way. Like I said, I've really only got like five questions, but I, I think sure. they're going to be I'm, broad for you to com- conversate and, and kind of answer. But sure, as a hunter, you, you say you're a hunter yourself. Um, have you I ever am. said that hunters are conservationists? Yeah, absolutely. Hunters are absolutely conservationists. Okay. In fact, in fact, I truly believe that hunting is one of the greatest ways of, cons- you know, uh, one of, they're the greatest conservationists, in my opinion. So historically, that has been tied to this funding mechanism and what we term the user pays public benefits mm-hmm. cost associated with Pittman-Robertson. There's a direct mm-hmm. correlation back to a sportsman paying for a firearm, ammunition, and the fishery side, uh, tackle, things like that. And that money then coming back to fund that mm-hmm. resource and the management mm-hmm. of that resource, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. just for the hunter, but also for the greater good, which is probably inarguably the most successful conservation model in the history of the world. So this disconnects I, that. This disconnects. I don't, I, I don't deny that at all. Okay. I, I don't deny that at all. Not one little bit. You know, um, now, first off, you have to remember this bill has nothing to do with fishing. OK, I, that, and I appreciate you bringing that up. It, it's a conforming. The, the fishery language is conforming, correct? That's correct. It's conforming. It's simply restructuring the code that exists already, because when you eliminate one portion of it, you have to restructure the other so it flows properly. Right. So that, I'm, and I appreciate you clarifying that because I've seen you get dinged on that. And while, you know, you and I may disagree on the, the hunting side, on the fishery side, that's not fair because that's conforming language that's in there that you put in that, that you have to put in there. You didn't put it, but you right. have, to, you have is, to put it in there. That is exactly correct. Uh, you, you know, you can't strike, you know, B and go from A to C. OK, and, and leave the law like that. Um, you have to, you know, make um CB and DC and, you know, anyway, y'all understand. So I want to go back to, though, 
the disconnect that occurs with the way we're changing this funding, if, if this legislation were to pass, no longer is a sportsman directly connected through their purchase of guns, ammo, et cetera, to the funding of conservation, which in a state like mine, a state like Florida, we have mm -hmm. no constitutional right state-wise to hunt. So okay. our value on the landscape is tied economically to our contribution as conservationists. How do you, okay. how, how does that, how do you address that? Like, how do you talk about that? Okay. Well, you said that you have no constitution, no, no constitutional right to hunt in the state of Florida. Well, that doesn't exist at the federal level either. Right. Okay. But what does exist is a constitutional right to keep and bear arms. So by taxing a constitutional right, you know, I, I don't believe that you can legally tax a constitutional right because if you could, then you could tax it out of existence. And that, and if you tax it out of existence, and there's a great bill that, uh, well, it's not a great bill, but but a great example of a bill um, that the Democrats just introduced. I believe it's HR 8051, uh, the Assault Weapons Excise Tax Act. This is Byers' bill out of Virginia. Byers' bill. That's right. Exactly. It would increase the taxation by a thousand percent. Okay, at a thousand percent taxation, so a, a $995 rifle would cost eleven thousand um, dollars. You'd pay as much in sales tax on that rifle as you did for the initial rifle, almost. Okay, but, but could so, you argue that that is a this is a little bit of a pendulum back and forth? Um, obviously. I strongly disagree with that and, and, and think that's outlandish as well. And we'll love to have Congressman Pyron to discuss that. But this is a little bit of an overcorrection the other way because we're talking about, not arguably, the most successful conservation program in the history of the world and changing the way that program works. Well, it, it's, it's because I think it's fundamentally – there's a tremendous risk here because if it's fundamentally um, not legal to tax a constitutional right – then, you know, regardless of the fact that the money goes to good things, then legally we have a great risk of it being, number one, struck down by the Supreme Court if it's ever challenged. All right. And if, and if something like buyers or even anything um, close to buyers gets passed, then there will be legal challenges to it. So Pittman-Robertson has this real risk of as soon as it's struck down by the Supreme Court, you know, with um, – with the New York Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, with that win, which reinforced that the Second Amendment is an individual constitutional right, and it must be upheld as primary focus number one, all right, then, you know, the taxation of a constitutional right um, isn't possible. I mean, Chief Justice Marshall in 1819, um, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, stated that the power to tax includes the power to destroy. So if you can legally tax a constitutional right, you can legally destroy a, an unalienable constitutional right. So if you could destroy it, then there wouldn't be any more firearm purchases. And then there would be no Pittman-Robertson tax. If, if the buyer's bill passed, semi-automatic rifles would cease to be sold. You know, unless you're uber rich, but then who wants to pay a thousand percent tax on something? You know, uh, it would simply end that portion of the funding for Pittman-Robertson. So Pittman-Robertson has a tremendous risk here uh, when it comes to uh, the termination of firearm sales. Now, because I, that's what the Democrats want to do. I, so I'm going to push back just to hear and, and not about what the Democrats want to do, as you just presented, because I, I agree with you, like. 
a thousand percent tax. I think that was the language in it. That's the headlines I've seen. Um, that's absurd and ridiculous and punitive. Honestly, it's it's extremely punitive. But sure, but 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 what if it's legal? So I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot over to the sportsman's community particularly sure. because. Sure. As I understand it, and correct me if this narrative is wrong, um, this bill is is currently being kind of presented as a reaction to Byers' bill. But no, it's I, not. It's you, not at you, all. You kind of campaigned with this platform, right? This is not new to That's you. That's correct. Okay. Right. In fact, if you go back to a Fox News interview I did in January of 2021, where they they ask all the freshmen for what's your big idea? This is my big idea: is to eliminate the taxation on the Second Amendment because I see that as a tremendous risk of losing our Second Amendment. So and we can't do that. So, Congressman, we've got. I know that in May there was a letter circulated from the AWCP. Are you familiar with that? Uh, I, I saw the letter. Okay. Are you familiar with AWCP? Um. No, I thought it was circulated by the NSSF. Uh, the, the, the letter. Um, the, the AWCP is the American Wildlife Conservation Partners. Oh, so okay. this is All really right. the sportsman and um, shooting sports industry. And they vouched for their support of Pittman-Robertson in its current incantation. Okay. Um, how do you respond to that? Because a lot of, I don't know you from Adam, but you seem like a likable sure. guy, but I don't know you from Adam. So a lot of times, like you look for engagement with your elected officials through stakeholder groups. And I'm just curious, I have a three-pronged question here. From the sportsman's community, from the firearms industry, and from the fish and wildlife agencies, who did you engage with before proceeding with this? Well, you know, this particular bill replaces the funding for Pittman-Robertson. So I don't understand why the, um, why the, the wildlife organizations are opposed to this. Uh, let's talk about funding for Pittman-Robertson for a minute, okay? Um, if you go back just five years and you look at where Pittman-Robertson, the amount of money that comes in from Pittman-Robertson, the average, the five-year average for Pittman-Robertson is $715 million dollars. All right. In from 2016 to 2020, the high was 2017, which was 810 million. And the low was 2019 at 588 million. So you understand that Pittman Robertson fluctuates. You know, it can fluctuate 100 to 200 million dollars year to year. All right. Based on firearm ammunition sales. All right. So so it's a um, though it's a it's a, a stream that is, um, you know, that's there and it's based on firearm sales, it, it varies quite a bit. My bill would provide an actual increase in funding. It would increase over the average, and you wouldn't have this year-to-year -year fluctuation anymore. You would have an $800 million um, amount of money that would go to fund Pittman-Robertson year-to-year. Uh, now, so it would be consistent. I, I, well, let, let me finish. Okay. It would be consistent. It would allow agencies then you know, it, it affects nothing in Pittman-Robertson when it comes to the ratio of how the money is divided out, okay? It simply, you know, it provides the money. It actually provides an $85 million um, increase year to year, year over year, over the average of $715 million. So I would think that the, that the conservation folks would love this bill. Well, I, I mentioned a minute ago. It disconnects the user pays public benefits. So now it is tied to an industry, right? It's it's tied to oil and gas extraction and, and, and okay. unallocated receipts. And I also believe oh. the language of the bill says it is tied to the lesser of 800 million or unallocated receipts. Am I correct in that language? 
Uh, no, you, no, you're correct. And the reason for that, okay, is the fact that that if the money that comes from oil and gas ever gets below that, um, then it's going to take the entire amount that comes out. But I mean, oil and gas revenues generally increase year to year uh, when it comes to federal leasing of lands. I mean, if you look at 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 fossil fuels, I mean, everything that you look around and you know that you see today everything that's made of plastic comes from fossil fuels i mean to think that our country is going to go away from fossil fuels is very naive and uh, that's just not going to happen and um, there's so many things that are made from fossil fuels that you just wouldn't have anymore that it's you know it's a pipe dream on the on the green new deal left that to, to think that we're ever going to go away from fossil fuels uh, th that's just not going to happen so, um, so so looking back at the bill and back to the question i asked a minute sure. ago who did you engage with stakeholder-wise from the sportsman's community, the wildlife agencies, and the firearms industry before kind of rolling this out? Like, like, and I'm not, I'm sorry, that sounds a little bit accusatory. I don't mean for it to, but generally speaking, you you, you, you do engage with some level of stakeholders to say, hey, we're I going do. to do this. So Absolutely. Like, what were the, if AWCP proactively came out ahead of this, my question is, you know, and I don't want to put words into any organization's mouths but like ducks unlimited is on that list rocky mountain elks on that list nssf's on that list D uh, delta waterfowl's on that list nwts on that list. everybody's on that list who did you connect with from any of those organizations to make sure that hey we need sportsmen's afwa is on that list the association of fish and wildlife agencies um, there's no manufacturers on that list though are there well nssf's on that list which represents a, a large portion of the gun industry though that's not a manufacturer but it's the trade association well, but it's not a manufacturer. Um, I, I engage with the National Rifle Association. I engage with the NSSF. Okay, uh, those the folks that I know and and I know well. Okay, um, but it, it I would never have thought that the that the um, uh, that the wildlife folks would be against an increase in funding, an year to year increase in funding, average funding, for this uh, for their for Pittman Robertson, I now, never would have believed that. Now, now, let me address something else to you, okay? You say a seat at the table, all right? You believe that the reason that they that they that they want this, okay, is because it gives them a seat at the table, as in they're funding it, okay? Well, okay, let's look at the amount of money that comes in to Pittman Robertson, and let's look at where it comes from. You get about six percent comes from the sales of uh, of archery equipment. The other 94% comes from the sale of firearms, from handguns, from ammunition, and from rifles. Okay, it's about a third, a third, and a third. Right. Um, now, handguns uh, are generally not used for hunting at all. Okay. Agreed. Okay. Um, ammunition, the amount of ammunition um, that is used for hunting that is sold is very small compared to full metal jacket target practice all that other sort of stuff you know um even even um hollow point soft point for self-protection because that's pistol ammunition so that's probably 10 percent or less than the actual you know of, of the ammunition that's sold and then you look at, at rifles you know the vast majority of rifles that are sold are 22 long rifle about 40 percent of rifles then the next vast majority of rifles that are sold are ar-15s although some people use ar-15s for hunting that's not generally what happens all right, so you might have 25% of that rifle section, all right, um, that is uh, um, that is used for hunting. 
So there is a, a actually a small amount of Pittman-Robertson that is actually purchased or, or spent by hunters. Okay, the vast majority is folks that aren't hunting. Well, hunting I, is not increasing over the you know hunting is not increasing; it's decreasing, and I don't like that. I, I want hunting to increase. No, and I okay? and I appreciate that point. I, I think I think the number out there, and you, you're exactly right. The number out there is seventy four percent of Pittman Robertson funds come from non-hunting expenditures in the in this year's number okay that's 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 a that's a real yep. number um yep. but it also presumes when i go buy 22 long rifles i'm I, I buy those to go target shoot with my son i go buy cases of sure. shotgun shells to yep. shoot my son but the impetus behind doing a lot of that shooting and a lot of that contribution to Pittman robertson falls under that 74 percent but it is done because of the basis in hunting that we have and i'm not saying that's true across the 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 spectrum but i'm also saying handguns weren't in introduced to pitman robertson until the 70s um we've done multiple pitman robertson robertson uh moder modifications and modernizations over the years which by the way have always been led by republicans with unanimous votes in 2000 and 2013 um mm -hmm. those those changes mm -hmm. to pitman robertson those modifications to the program were led and unanimously voted for by the Republican Party, which I cheered on and, and advocated for. But mm -hmm. I have, yep. I, I know we're getting close on time. I have one more question for you that sure. is probably the most concerning thing to me as a sportsman. And I think it's it has to do again with the decoupling of the user pays public benefits. Mm -hmm. And that is this week, an organization um, called Wildlife for All, a noted anti-hunting organization has come out and asked to decouple hunting or guns from conservation funding which is exactly kind of what this bill does no it's not kind of what this it's what this bill does and I, i'm just curious like in your your eyes your mind and i don't know if you're aware with, of that or, or not but um, that has always been our concern we said seat at the table historically hunters have contributed the most money um, i think mm -hmm. last year the Pittman robertson dollar was actually 1.1 billion 1.4 billion it was mm -hmm. it was well over the 800 it, million it was 1.1 billion last year from what i've seen but i've not actually seen the irs table 20 Yet it has not come out to say exactly what it was, so that's why I'm not using that number. Okay, but, uh, but it's going to be the, close the, to that. It's, yeah, they're not yeah. going to be off by three hundred million dollars. No, but I will tell you this year. Okay, from my personal experience, it's going to be more like 2016 numbers or 20, maybe 2017 numbers, because we're last year was an anomaly, a huge anomaly, and if we had more time, I would explain to you why. Um, but as a federal firearms licensee who is you know, who spent 30 years in the business. I, I, I see it every solitary year. I know exactly what happens when it comes to firearm sales. Um, so I could explain to you why that's, you know, the ups and downs and exactly why the ups and downs are occurring and, and tell you what's going to happen basically the next year or the year after that um, uh, with, with regard to, you know, the money is going to come from Pittman Robertson and, and what firearm sales are going to be. But, um, but I want to get to your, to your point that you're trying to make here, um, because I, I want to counter with this. A few weeks ago, I believe the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service banned um, lead ammunition on federal land. Um, I'm sure you saw that, right? I did. I, and okay. I saw they were in settlement talks. I did not see the final language on that, but I, I saw that the Biden administration was in settle, settlement talks with right. Center for Biological Diversity. I never saw a final ruling that they did ban right. lead ammunition on right. all federal land. I absolutely disagree with that. Okay, I think I think that that um, you know that that decision is a very bad decision. But what it shows me 
it's a great example, though, of the fact that these folks don't care about your seat at the table. I know that's a hard thing to, to, to believe, but they don't. They're going to make this decision, and they're going to take your money, too. And, and that's what I see this decision at. And, it's gonna, and you're going to see more and more and more of this. So my, my question is, why are we giving them money? So, so uh, I, I'm not I'm not quite sure what the question is. I mean, when you're talking about U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service as a sportsman, as a hunter, I mean, we volunteer. We volunteer. I, I can give you another example. It's not tied at all to firearms, but that's the federal duck stamp program, which is again a billion, one point one billion dollars, six million acres have been conserved, and I'm all mm -hmm. for that because the user pays me, the hunter, mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. public benefits: bird watchers, hikers, recreational picnickers, mm -hmm. kayakers, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, over the years, I've had to change my method of hunting. I'm, I'm old enough now to remember when you could still shoot lead shot for waterfowl. Right. And I, I disagree with some of those policies, but I also I, I, I do it now and don't even think about it. It's kind of like second nature. But at the end of the day, I, I think we're kind of wrapping around the axle of two different things, two distinct things here that are not, they're not necessarily innately connected because as a sportsman, I recognize that my place on the landscape is tied to conservation. That is, that's not my words. That's Shane Mahoney and Valerius Geis' words. Like that's, that's mm -hmm. how the North American conservation model works. And when we disconnect those two things, we put ourselves in a precarious situation because now we are no longer tied to this funding mechanism. Even, even though innately you are tying us by license allocation back, you're not tying sure. us to it in how the money gets there. The user is no longer paying it and the public is benefiting from it. So that opens up a door to a Pandora's box. And, and let me be very frank, we'll take some un unallocated money into the sportsman's world. <laughs> if anyone wants to give it to us, if, if Congress wants to go pass some kind of legislation to, to funnel that money towards sportsmen, sure. we'd love it. But there's a huge amount of discomfort with this. And I just feel like the buy-in is not there from the sportsman's organizations, myself included, to disconnect uh that because it, it kind of takes our knees out from us. And it also feels a little bit like now we're having to fight with people who are on our team. Because I, I okay, would be well, honest, if I was in your neighborhood, I'd probably frequent your gun shop. Right. Well, l l let me ask you this, though. Okay. How do you reconcile? How do you reconcile this? Because this is the bottom line right here. How do you reconcile the fact that the Second Amendment, what we are taxing right now, is an individual constitutional right and cannot be under the law legally? You can't tax the right to vote. OK, so how can it be legal to tax the right to keep and bear arms? So answer me this. How do you reconcile that with taxation? I mean, how do you do it? I think Pittman Robertson is at extreme risk and it's not from my bill. OK, it's from the law. It's from the Constitution. I don't think Pittman Robertson is constitutional. Well, con Congressman, I don't mean to, I, and I, I please don't take this flipping, but laughably, I kind of say I get taxed on the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness every year. I have to write a check to the IRS, and I'm not happy about that, and those are inalienable <laughs> rights as well. If I stop paying my taxes, I'm pretty sure no one's going to worry about taking those rights away from me. They're going to put me in jail eventually. So I, 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 I get your point, and I don't mean to be reductive to that, but I definitely think there's a little bit of a, a logical fallacy there that I could nitpick apart. And I think we could we could go way into the nuance of that. I do before I know you're pressed on time, but before I let you go, I do want to get you to address though um, the concerns I have, which are which are very much real, that when you disconnect firearms from from funding for conservation, 
you see mm-hmm. exactly what we've seen from anti-hunting zealots, which are, I mean, th- this was dated July 12th, so it was earlier this week, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that they're beginning to circle saying, hey, this is actually a good idea. That's all, obviously not your intention, but now how did, how did I mean, where, where do you go from there on that? Um, where do I go from, from disconnecting it? Well, well I, I'm I, saying you've, you've kind of set them up and I'm saying you, I know there's 50, I think three co-sponsors have, have dropped off this legislation, but 55 now left. Um, and, and this legislation that you guys, I, I get your intent I, and I'm not, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to be so, but I get your intent behind it. But at the same time, it's a fear that we've had from the anti-hunting community for a long time and disconnecting guns from conservation. And now they're beginning to say, Hey, this might be a good idea. Let's disconnect guns from conservation. And that wasn't your intention at all. So how do you, how do you kind of reconcile that? I mean, they have tried to disconnect guns from, from, from conservation. And as I recall, a few years ago, uh, they tried to get Pittman Robertson to pay for what they call gun violence expenses. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Wasn't, there, wasn't that a fight a few years ago before I was ever a member? Yeah, I vaguely remember something about that. I couldn't get into the details on it because I don't remember right. the specifics of it. But, but, but I mean, this is not something new, okay? Um, but, but for me, it's not to, to disconnect uh, Pittman-Robertson, all right, from firearms. It's to disconnect taxation from firearms and fund Pittman-Robertson. That's the point here. I want to do both. I want to fund Pittman-Robertson, and I want to disconnect taxation from the Second Amendment, because both need to be preserved. And, and, and when they're connected like that, I think it gives a highway to eliminate uh, the Second Amendment and therefore eliminate Pittman-Robertson funding in its current form. OK, so that has to be addressed. And then uh, and and then we eliminate our Second Amendment, too. I mean, th- there are two very, very bad negatives. Um, and I, and I appreciate that Congressman. I appreciate what you're saying. I, I would encourage you to look back at what Dr. Geist has written in the past about the two A's connection to conservation and this mm-hmm. funding model and why it's so critical to us. And I'd also encourage you to, to, to reach out to some of these stakeholders I've mentioned and some of the AWCP folks, uh, beyond just the, the shooting sports industry, although both of them signed on to that AWCP letter, both the NRA and NSSF signed on to it. Um, I just, I would, I would really, I'd ask that you maybe reach back out to some of those folks and, and, and revisit this a little bit because it definitely is a, a dicey situation. I understand your points, um, but I also think we're, we're creating a situation where it's become divisive on the right side of this kind of argument where now we're having to fight for something that's on our side of the street. And that doesn't that doesn't feel great to me. Well, I, I'm, I'm happy to talk to any conservation group, you know, any any. OK, let, let, let me qualify that. I'm happy to talk to any pro Second Amendment conservation group. OK. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah and i don't i think that's i'm, I'm happy you said that because i don't think i don't think you should disentangle those things at all i'm I, we're on the same page okay. there i definitely think that so congressman right. andrew clyde thank well, you thank so you. much for for joining us i appreciate you you having having the the character to come on here and, and talk about this candidly i really do absolutely travis uh happy to happy to uh to speak with you th- this morning thank, thank you for the opportunity thank you so much all right bye-bye and there you go, Congressman Andrew Clyde on the Return Act. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode, that interview. Um, if you have any interest in using any of the quotes or stuff in this podcast, please make sure to give credit to Cast and Blast Florida and Travis Thompson. Um, you can find us at Cast and Blast FL on all the social medias or me at Travis Thompson, or you can follow our nonprofit at LL. 
allfla.org, um, allfla.org on the socials. And we appreciate you guys listening. Um, leave us a, a like or a review or let us know what you thought. Thanks so much. Try to, try to.